Welcome to the family with Tom Bernard. Co-host, Catherine Brandt. Tevin Pittman. Alex Brandt-Bernard Rasmussen. Andy Brandt-Bernard. And Cassie Schrader. And we'll be right back with our special guest, David Allensworth. The movie's called Soul to Keep. Be right back. The part two of The Family. Where's the manager? Walzer Automotive presents Car Selling Secrets. Join me, Tom Bernard, and Doug Sprinthal as we talk cars. How to buy them, how to lease them, how to make the most of your money, and much more. What's it going to take to earn your business right now? Tune in every Thursday from 2 to 3 Central or download it on the Tom Bernard Podcast page. I don't know. I think I'm going to have to think about it. Michael Bryant, Brad Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Well, basically, we're trying to represent people who have been hurt and talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, one of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company and they start asking you questions or they try to settle your case early and cheap. Well, what's interesting to me is, you know, a lot of people have fear of attorneys. It makes them very uncomfortable. They get nervous about it. What should I do? I've known Michael for years and years now, and I would highly recommend you. So that should be good enough for everybody because I don't endorse people who are dirtbags. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, but I guess the key is is people think I'll charge them if I talk to them. Right. So a lot of people call me up. It's like, how much is this going to cost if you call me back? Like, you want me to call you back? How much will that cost? I don't charge people. The only way I get paid is if we recover, um, if we get money from the, the other side. And there's a lot of people I talk to that I never get paid for that are just part of giving them advice to make sure they know what they can do and what their rights are. And your record's terrific as well, we should point out. Well, it works. It's been good. <laughs> it's been good, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> it's been good. And how do they contact you? And, uh, e- either through our website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com, minnesotapersonalinjury.com, or at 800-770-7008. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw and Bryant. Oh, I like it. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. Our special guest, David Allensworth. The movie's called Soul to Keep. And David, how are you? I'm excellent. How are you? Thank uh, you for having me on the show. Everything. No, oh, it's a pleasure. No, no question about that. I um, many years ago. Oh God, we're getting back to now. Man, thirty years ago. I spent a lot of time in New York yeah. doing doing uh, movie trailers. And this is the kind of stuff that sure. I would like to read. When one of, one of a group of friends go partying in one of their recently deceased grandfather's run-down old country house, they unknowingly unleash the demon Beelzebub, who has an insatiable appetite for souls. What do you think, David? Well, I love it. I want to go see that right. In fact, I want to see that tomorrow. <laughs> it is opening tomorrow, so let's do that. <laughs> well, that's good. If it opens tomorrow, it's a good time to go see it tomorrow. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Soul yeah. to Keep is a horror thriller film written by David Allensworth and Eric Brom and directed by David Allensworth and Monier. Is that person's name Monier? It's Monier. Monier. Yeah. Monier. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. it works for me. Yeah. It works for me. So, so David, tell me all about how this, uh, this whole project got started, what's, what it's all, well, I know what it's all about, but it's interesting because there's one other thing about the film that I didn't want to mention because yeah. I think coming from you, It'd be really, really cool. Yeah. One of the stars and their situation. I think it's yeah. terrific. I will absolutely uh, San- talk. Uh, I, uh, yeah, Sandra Bay Frank. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. This started as a originally as a comedy horror uh, written by Eric Bram. Uh, fine scripts for ripping off your arms and flasher stuff and a lot of great one-liners. <laughs> and a lot of fun, but it has. It had a really good core secret sauce in there and single location, and I was really looking for a, a horror that we can really, you know, scare the bejesus out of you, right? So mm-hmm. uh, I took that project on, uh, and we wrote 
we then rewrote the whole thing together, and uh, we came up with this uh, new dynamic of an ensemble cast where one of the characters is deaf, uh, and in fact played by deaf actress Sandra Mae Frank, and it changes the whole dynamic of the group. You've got a bunch of friends who show up, and you've got those stereotypes. Oh, you got the jock, and you, you know, you got the, 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 the blogger guy, and you know, you got the dark, you know, the dark girl who's uh, you know, kind of goth look, you know, she turns out to be a dark Wiccan, you know. You have those kinds of things in this kind of film, that's great, but you put a deaf person in there, and suddenly, and if they're all friends, you'll see it on screen. They all sign with her on, on screen whenever she's in this, in this. In fact, they sign with each other while she's there so that they keep her in the conversation. And I mm-hmm. felt like that was something you haven't seen before. The dynamic of the social inclusion is there, and it ups the ante with the scares, right? It, you know, you can't hear what's coming behind you, you know, and so right. we like to play with that. We like to play with sounds throughout the film, but we don't make this movie about a deaf person. She's just one of the group, and that even sends even a, a bigger message to the world that, you know, we don't have to make a special case for, uh, you know, a deaf person to be in a movie or if they're blind or if they're disabled in some way. It's just, it's just that she's just one of, she's the girlfriend of one of the other main characters and she really shows off her stuff in the film. See, I think it's a great idea. And what you just said, I think America and the world could learn a lesson from this movie soul to keep, because maybe if we treated everybody the same, like you're just one of us, we might get along a lot better. Don't you think instead of, Oh, this person is special (laughs) because they're different. It's like, my God. Yeah. Everybody's I mean, the same. Honestly, Everybody's in. You know, there's a lot of bad things that happen because we're scared of what's not us, right? So we, uh, you know, you have to, you break down those barriers by indicating that we're all kind of the same. You know, we have different uh, racial backgrounds and we have different you know, monetary whatever uh, levels of, you know, your rich, your poor. Mm-hmm. But really, we all kind of want and desire the same kind of, we're still the same animal. Uh, and and that's it's so true even in this film. You know what's amazing about that, David, is I, I had something happen to me when I was sixty. Well, it didn't happen to me, but uh, well, I'll explain exactly what it was. I have a very good friend named Tim Stanley. I still he's a very dear friend to this day, and I don't see him as often as I'd like to, but we get together once in a while. But when he was sixteen years old, he got hit in the throat and was in the hospital, and he couldn't talk. So we went to oh. visit him. And he couldn't talk, so he would have to write down what he wanted to say. So I just grabbed the pen sure. and wrote, wrote down to him what I wanted to say. Now, it's not something I did on purpose. It just seemed to me at 16 years old that was the right thing to do. And when we left sure. the, the, the hospital room, my other friend said, my God, that was, that was really smart of you to do. And I said, what? He goes, well, you kind of included him in the conversation by writing what you said because he had to write what he said. And I said... I didn't do that on purpose. It just seemed like the right thing to do. Like we're all the same. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I understand this completely. That, yeah. The, the, these characters uh, are implied friends for a long time, but the, but the sign language that happens with them on screen, and mind you, the sign language is very seamless. Like you don't even notice it after a while. If you're not interested in yep. sign language, yep. it's, just kind of, it's just kind of part of the, the scenery and they're talking anyway. So if you're hearing an individual, you could hear what they're saying, you know. And but but it kind of uh, it shows how long they've been friends because for any of these folks to who are hearing who can pretty much authentically know sign language, they probably have been friends for a long time, you know. Uh, so it kind right. of like cements it in stone that most of these characters uh, care about each other, right? And you you kind of giving them a thumbs up, saying, "Yeah, I like them," except for that that one guy who, who's the boyfriend of another, another character who doesn't know sign language. And, you know, we call that out several times in the film. Yeah. I, and the thing about it is instead of, instead of just taking it in and learning how, how to, it would not take very long. Uh, just the, the very basics of sign language. You kind of like when people give me the finger, I know what they're trying to say to me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> well, you know, yes. but you you will but, learn hand you know, signals and hand signs, and you know we we all yeah. use sign language, whether it's waving hello to someone or pointing at someone or giving somebody the finger. It is sign language. That's what it is. Yeah, it's not that far. Uh, the next step, you know, 
if you've got kids, you know, and they start to go, and, you, know, you can advocate for it in school. It's not that difficult yep. for kids to pick up what sign language is. So uh, I definitely, you know, give a thumbs up. There's some sign language there, some thumbs up on on that. Yeah. Um, but there you, know, you go. It's more than more than a it's more than a sign language, you know, film. This is a full experience, a horror thriller with demon possession, with you know, uh, consideration Ooh. of if you believe angels are real, why why aren't demons real? You know, and yes, mm-hmm. this one becomes mm-hmm. real. And we have that great contemplation of what would you do if you were uh, at a isolated environment with your friends and one of them, after an experience, does start to go crazy, does start to do things that are abnormal, and then the you know at some point it just hits the fan and you're like I can't believe that just happened. What do you do with that character? They're very dangerous. I can't tell you what they do in the film until you see it, but it gets it gets becomes shocking for this great independent kind of, you know, experience. And do you need, you want to kill them? Do you want to get out of there? Do you want to like help them? What do you do for your friend? And that's a really interesting contemplation. And most like uh, horror movies, it's a, it, you don't even consider that at all. So David, uh, you know, you don't have to tell me this, but I, so where, where do you live? In New York. You know what? I was going to say, I bet she lives in New York. Matter of fact, I wrote it down because you're not a Hollywood kind of guy. You know what I mean? You don't look at. <laughs> I, was, well, I, I mean, I mean I that as a compliment, by the way, David. I left. Well, thank you very much. I was raised in LA and I left, and I bet you that's part of the reason I. There was something about, you know, being there that there was, uh, you know, some great people, and then there were like, what is, what's going on here? You know, and then you get to New York and it's just all. <laughs> You know, it's in your face. You know, people will say yeah, what they want yep. to say, and there are wonderful people here too. And you know, and you know, people fight for what's right, and um, and you appreciate life here. So yeah, absolutely, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a New Yorker. Now. Yeah, <laughs> David, do you think if you if you counted on Hollywood money to produce your film, they would have told you, oh no, no, she's got to be special. She can't just be one of the group. She's got to be special. Do you think Hollywood would have tried they to do that to you? To they might, and that I'd have to push back. I'd have to say, look, if you right. really want something authentic, this is what it's going to look like. And, you know, if you, if we, if we, you know, butt heads, you might find a compromise somewhere, but if there's no compromise from their end, then we don't have a project. You know, you've got to let the directors yeah. have their vision. You've got to convey that vision. And if there's, you know, a studio or a financier says, I want this vision to happen, you know, you're in the bed with the wrong person. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you've yeah. got to get that vision out um, and be persistent about it. I love the fact that you made the so, move because you thought if you really wanted to do what you want to do, you had to move all the way across the country to New York. But, I, yeah, I, I, I don't think New Yorkers are as big into that whole deal about, you know, some people have to be special. No, no, everybody's the same. That's the whole key. Yeah, as far as I'm concerned, yeah. the soul yeah. to keep, uh, I, that's the impression I got when I when I read the uh, the description of the movie and all the rest of it, I thought, yeah, well, he he can't be from Hollywood. And look, I have a ton of friends in Hollywood, yeah. actors and, and comedians and all kinds of friends in Hollywood, and I, I think the world of them. But, man, I see some of the stuff coming out of there, and it's like, oh, really? That's not even close to reality. Unless, of course, yeah, I don't want to... Yeah. You know, look, <laughs> David, if your parents paid for you to get into Yale, I take it back. But, you know. No, that did not happen. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mostly paid my own way. That that's not that's not even that's not a, a thing in my life. But um, <laughs> uh, but what can I say? You know, we we went out and shot this. We we scraped. We raised the money. I have mm-hmm. I'm surrounded by talent. You know, out here in New York, we were able to. You know, myself, Monier, and a uh, great producer in uh, that we had on board, Patrick Kendall. Like you know, these guys, the equipment that we had. You know, we, we you know. Passion drives it. You get passionate about a project, and we were definitely passionate, passionate about this. You surround yourself by people that say, yeah, let's do this. Yeah, you're, you're so passionate. I'm passionate about it. And it became a, a wonderful experience, and everybody worked really hard, and we have great music composition. Uh, we have great you know, sound design and great editing. You've got to see this movie, man. It's, it's, I mean, you've, saw, you've seen the trailer, but like, it's... You know, there's something about it, this great, you know, gritty indie horror that has a big surprise, not just the death angle, but as you get towards the end of the film, we 
we shock you with something that you'll be like jaw drop, say, no, I didn't, I cannot believe I didn't see that coming. And, yeah, see, and you know, then that's and you, what I'm looking for in movies. See it again. Yeah, I mean, that's what yeah, I'm looking for in a movie. That's why. Moments, you know, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Hitchcock, I think, got so big because a lot of times you did not see that coming in his movies, and I think that made him right. a very important filmmaker. Uh, do you do, Was there one person that really inspired you above everyone else? Uh, as a, like, a, a director or... Yeah, yeah, absolutely, uh, or, I, I or just a, a style, filmmaker. I think more of a style. I, 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 I'm not necessarily a big M. Night Shyamalan across the board, but the things that he would try to do, it's right. similar to Hitchcock, and I'm a big Hitchcock fan as well, okay, um, you know, Dial in for Murder, you know, those, that kind of, Vertigo, mm-hmm. you know, North by Northwest, all those are, you know, iconic, you know, of course, Psycho, but, you know, the, the, uh, the Sixth Sense, for instance, you're going along for the ride, you're watching, uh, I hope everybody who's listening has seen that movie, but, you know, yeah. You know, I see dead people, and you're watching, and you see Bruce Willis, and then when that, you know, that wedding ring drops, and you go, oh, you know, I didn't see it. <laughs> exactly. Both of us just didn't see it coming. And then you, your brain, I love the moment when your brain whirls as an audience member, and you go, and you think back, and you go, wait a minute. And then, you know, you show a few things on screen, which is what we do, and yep. that is a fantastic feeling. And then on top of that, we have a great ending of uh, good versus evil, how we, you know, manipulate that uh, from one of our characters. And it's a really great, like, uh, satisfying ending. Uh, and, and we're at the beginning. We're at the beginning of a world, a universe of films. Uh, God willing, we get to roll out. This one, this one takes place about Beelzebub trying to make its way, his way as a demon, to Earth, you know, possessing and getting here and bringing a legion of demons with them. And this is just the, the small little, you know, at a little country house, that's where it starts, right? You start small, and then it's going to rise from now and spread. And then I've got other demons that I want to present as making their way. And then you start to tie those knots together, right? But, you know, he's trying to you start to see, like, wait a minute, they're all making their way here now. What's going on? And it's the beginning of maybe the Armageddon. And you've got, like, the God side you know, ready for this with angels. And so now it's getting bigger and bigger. So I'm really excited to, like, get into that kind of space of good versus evil. So where, how do people get to see Soul to Keep? When, when's the release, and, and how, how do they go see it? It releases tomorrow, Excellent. April 2nd, everywhere on demand, everywhere digital download. Uh, you know, so you go to your cable box, you, you'll find it on demand there across the United States in every, you know, uh, cable or whatever, and then, or DISH or satellite, and then, or, you know, Verizon. Then we have our, our online kind of iTunes and Google Play and Amazon.com and, uh, you know, Xbox, all those ways you can digitally get your movie, we're there too. I will be watching it uh, tomorrow. And, uh, David, once, once I watch it, I'd like to reach back out to you and have you back on and talk about the movie. That'd be great. I would love that. I have plenty of things to talk about. Oh, David, I appreciate your time today. Thank you so much. You got some. Thank you so much. Talk soon. Right. Bye. David Allensworth, the movie's called Soul to Keep, available everywhere, so Catherine and I can watch it on Amazon. Woo-hoo. You know what I'm talking about. Absolutely. Pretty scared, Catherine. I don't like being scared. We've got to take a break here, don't we, Andy? Yep. Yes. We'll be right back with the family. A program that benefits the homeowner and not the realtor? Do you want a guaranteed offer on your home? Hey, it's Tom with my realtor, Chris Lindahl, who has some exciting news to share. Hey, Tom, we are super excited to announce our guaranteed offer program. Here's how it works. If you qualify, we will guarantee you an offer on your house within 48 hours, which means you could be closing in three weeks. No staging, no cleaning, no decluttering, and of course, no open houses. This is your hassle-free way to sell your home. If you qualify for the program, you will get a competitive offer in 48 hours, period. Sounds like a stress-free way to sell your home. 
It is, Tom. Some homeowners want the convenience to be able to sell their home quickly without going through the stress of showings, open houses, and so many more headaches, especially if they found their dream home and need to sell fast. You do need to qualify for this program, but that's quick and convenient as well. To see if you qualify for the guaranteed offer program from Chris Lindahl Real Estate, go to chrislindahl.com right now or call 763-401-SOLD. Once again, that's chrislindahl.com, Chris with a K. If you're tired of feeling frustrated because your clothes don't fit like they used to, then Nutramost is for you. Thanks to the Sheehy brothers and staff at Nutramost in Plymouth, I am down 92.5 pounds. The Nutramost program is amazing. I lost over 40 pounds during each of my first two 40-day rounds. You can have great success just like me because Nutramost is customized for each individual person, and the staff at Nutramost will be there for you every step of the way. Start your weight loss journey today and let Nutramost help change your life. Give yourself this wonderful gift or give this program as a present. Nutramost guarantees that you lose 20 pounds or more. Nutramost helped me change my life and they can help you too. Call 763-333-7337. That's 763-333-7337. Never gonna give you up, never gonna let you down. Is that this song? No. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, just stand back? Yeah. Stand back, stand. I thought it was a Rickroll. No, I'm just playing this for Joe Biden. (laughs) (laughs) Stand back, stand back. Stand back, (laughs) stand back. That's cold. That's really cold. Let me just point that out to you, all right? I like David. I hope David does well. I, would you guys, is this some, the kind of movie you'd watch, Alex? She oh. is getting her phone charged. I would. Uh, my my stepdaughters, they love scary movies, so we like to sit and watch those. I'm going to actually taking one of them to go screen Pet Cemetery on Wednesday. So. Oh, see. Well, the, the, the problem is you can't take all your kids because nobody else would fit in the theater if you brought them. <laughs> I know. I don't have a big enough car to haul everybody. It's like a Greyhound <laughs> bus. You got to yeah. do what they used to yeah. do out in Dayton when I was a kid and just have the kids sit in the back of the pickup. Should I get yeah. a sidecar for my car? Yeah, and or, then... yeah there you go. I like that. Sneak your phone in there and like live stream it back to the like FaceTime them or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Nah, it's not a bad plan. I think it's a really good plan, actually. So I got bad news for Dad. What's that? Your favorite musician, Nipsey Hussle, has been shot dead. (laughs) They shot and killed him, Nipsey Hussle. Yeah, I saw that. They killed him. Incidentally, we had a dog when I was a child named Nipsey Russell. We did. did, Who was named after the comedian, Nipsey Russell. After the comedian. (laughs) Was, and I by the way, it was like a Russell Terrier that you guys named yep. after yep. Nipsey yep. Hussle. It was, it was a Russell Jack Ter- Russell Terrier. Nipsey and Russell. He was black and, and white. He was a representative for all. <laughs> now, Catherine also, for the first time, saw the actual Cassie Russell. Cassie yeah, Russell. That was weird. Yeah, they were showing some old the basketball, uh, basketball footage, yeah. and they're like, Cassie Russell. I'm like, what? <laughs> Cassie's on network television. Razzle. Yeah, I named uh You know, what's really funny about that, it, it, you know, thinking about that whole situation. The, we named our dogs Nipsey Russell and Cassie Russell, two black men, and, and uh, you know, all it. Oh, by the way, Richard Pryor Jr. is going to be on this week. He's going to be on when, Wednesday or Thursday? Wednesday. Wednesday's going to be yeah, on. Apparently he, nice man. Really good guy. He did call what, that day. Oh, he did? Yeah. I didn't get said. anything. Maybe he had the number wrong. Yeah, I double-checked yeah, to make sure. <laughs> yeah, no, right. Well, that's fine. I understand that completely, but yeah, he, uh, I don't know. It'll, I really like having him on. His father, and, and I, you know, I, I don't talk to him about his father much because I got, he's got to be so oh. sick of, you know, oh, your yeah. father was the greatest of all yeah. time. <laughs> That's you know what my favorite bit of his was? Yes, saying, yes, I know. What is like? Is he also a comedian or in, in the entertainment business? Or what is he? He he's trying now. Oh, yeah. Oh, so yeah. So then that's got to be. Yeah. Let me life. talk to you about my yeah. dad's career instead yeah. of my career. That's right. exactly right. That's exactly so. So I don't do that to him. He's a very nice guy, and I, I really like talking to him. Did you? My favorite news story of the week, and it's only Monday. It's going to be tough to beat this one. Do you know that Jim Carrey is in a pissing match with the granddaughter of Mussolini? Yes, he is. <laughs> of course he is. I think it's so phenomenal. Well, he's a Listen lunatic. to this story. He's, he's gone oh, he's completely crazy. insane. Oh, yeah, have you seen like his uh, yeah. episode of yep. Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee with... Uh, oh, yeah. No. David Letterman. Yeah, 
Is it a little? No, it, it, it's Seinfeld. Seinfeld. There we go. Oh, Seinfeld. That's what, right. What, yeah. What did he do? Oh, he just looks like he's been sleeping under a bridge and <laughs> painting pictures for about twenty years. <laughs> he does. <laughs> he looks like. Rough. Doesn't he like? Bob Doesn't Ross? he paint like anti anti Trump? Oh, he's big anti Trump guy. Well, that's yeah. the latest. It's that, like this is what you do with your time the on Earth. Thing that he got <laughs> the reason they're fighting is because he painted a picture of Mussolini like dead and hanging upside down by his feet, and, which was real. Which was real, and she did not like that. Oh, called him a bastard for doing it. <laughs> Uh, well, here, I'll read the story. You're going to love the part where you get to the deal where you get, well, she goes after America. It's like, well, he's Canadian, but other than that. Is he? <laughs> yeah, he's Canadian, absolutely. It's hard to call something a Twitter feud when only one side is frenetically tweeting insults. So let's just say Alessandra Mussolini, granddaughter of Benito Mussolini, was having an online monologue of sorts on Sunday directed at Jim Carrey just yesterday. After the actor posted a cartoon he'd drawn of her late dictator grandfather, per slate, if you're wondering what fascism leads to, just ask Benito Mussolini and his mistress Claretta. Carey wrote under a drawing that depicted those two hanging upside down after they were shot to death in April 1945. Well, sorry, happy anniversary of you hanging upside down. Uh, that initial tweet elicited a curt response from the younger Mussolini. You are a bastard. But Mussolini 56 wasn't done. Firing off suggestions for other subjects Kerry could draw, namely uh, the U.S. decision to use the atomic bomb, the genocide of Native, Amer- Native Americans, slavery, and racial segregation. Yeah, because that never happened in any other country in the world. Oh, Give me a break. Natives have been bumped off by everybody in every country. We're all North African. You have to understand that. We all are, right? Uh, the atomic bomb, that was, uh, that was an interesting call by, by Harry Truman, but, you know. Uh, others online also jumped into the fray, including one commentator who replied to one of her barbs to point out that Kerry is Canadian, although he did become a U.S. citizen in 2004. Oh, Mussolini, a member of the European Parliament and also the niece of Sophia Loren. She's a member of European Parliament, and her grandfather was Benito Mussolini. <laughs> Jesus. Oh I guess a very forgiving there. Uh, responded to dozens of those tweets as well. Slate notes Mussolini has addressed people posting uh, disparaging things about her grandfather before, including an October tweet in which she said she'd contact the police on any politically correct insulters. She's going to call the cops if you insult her fascist murdering grandfather. I have a question about, like, Jim Carrey and so many other Hollywood people. What happens when... Why is it that so many of them go so psychotic over politics? Well, in Carrie's case, I mean, they just it makes him famous. Nuts. In over Carrie's it. case, I, mean, they... I believe it is because he had syphilis and it rotted his brain. But do you think it was syphilis, really? Really? That's what I heard. They just went bananas. Yeah, you know, he, had that that, he had that like weird Emma Stone video. He's just. Uh. Or really? Like freaking out about how much he loved Emma Stone. Oh, really? That was like oh, his. Did he really? Yeah, that was like Ugh. his original. Like, what's going on with Drew Nasty. Carey? Oh yeah, Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey. Carrey. Not Carrey. Drew Carrey. Not Carrey. Carrey. <laughs> Wrong That's Carrey. really nice. Jim. Yeah, you Not know. Drew. Harry Drew Carey. Harry like Carey. Drew Say, Carey. listen, I was talking to Mussolini, and he said. <laughs> <laughs> That's unbelievable. Yeah, but you got to have some seeds to be going after uh, anybody for criticizing Benito Mussolini. (laughs) I mean, think about that. Well, and imagine being a relative of him. like Mussolini? Yeah, like you feel like, would you really feel like you would have to defend him? No. Just because he was your grandfather? I mean... In the height of everyone thinking that you were racist and homophobic and everything, I kind of was just like, I learned, you know, people are going to think what they're going to think and whatever. And I knew that you weren't. And so I didn't care what they Mm -hmm. said because it was like, well, you're going to think that regardless. So, but you, but you weren't, you know. Murdering fascist. No, I wasn't those things. So. <laughs> I was not a murdering fascist. Or I'm thinking about he? it. Yeah. I'm thinking about he? becoming a murdering fascist. Maybe but, he's uh, a closeted fascist. But you know what amazes <laughs> me about that is no one ever asks questions. So no, if, you, if you're accused don't. of being those things, why don't they come to you and ask you, what's your history? Why do people think well, that? Because then if you, they don't do it. Well, and then if you try to defend yourself, they'll say, well, what you really meant was yep. that you were. 
Oh, right, you exactly. are. That's I mean, exactly what you'd say if you yeah. were. <laughs> yeah. What else is he going to say? You know what I love the most about that whole thing, that I'm a racist, which is hilarious to me? 1971. Okay, so I'm 19 years old. I moved to Grand Forks, North Dakota, and my two roommates were black. Brother and sister, Victor and Gail Treadwell. They were black people, and uh, they both had a bedroom. I had to sleep on the floor in the living room. Doesn't sound too racist to me, does it to you? Yeah, but in, in their defense, like Grand Forks, like I went to Fargo for to go to college and like Grand Forks mm-hmm. and Fargo and North Dakota in general, a very white place to live. So that would be kind of the logical step for I think like a racist person to feel comfortable would be to live in like a predominantly white community. Yeah, so it's just the fact that I got a job in Grand Forks. <laughs> they offered me a job, so I took it and lived with black people the, to- the whole time. I was As a matter of fact, I spent most of my time with Victor and his friends. Were they on? The, were they? Did they play sports for Grand Forks? You Tevin's racist. Like, why were there why black they, people? Why, black why are there black people in Grand Forks? He was in the Air Force. Oh, okay. There we go. He was, he was in, at the, sa- the <laughs> side base up. up there. And then he... Then he did go to school at UND, but he did not play sports. Gail was the fir- very first African-American. She was, there was, she was black at the time. She wasn't African-American. It was, she was black in 1971. But she was the very first homecom- black she homecoming queen. She's changed. What was it? Changed over. Well, there was no such thing as African-American back then. It just sounds like. Well, nobody said African-American back then. Caterpillar cocooned into a beautiful butterfly. She was a beautiful woman. She was a beautiful woman. She really was. Calm down. She had Ronnie. Ronnie was her 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 fiance at the time, and they got married. Oh, Ronnie was another great guy. He was from he was from Rockford, Illinois. But no, I mean, why wouldn't they ask those questions? Like Mussolini, well, now, when you dressed up in that fake outfit to try to sneak into Switzerland wearing the Swiss Army uh, outfit, uh, were you, you trying to get away from what you'd done, or why were you doing that? You know, ask some questions, right? Do people yeah, not want to ask questions? They want to just assume that they're well, right and you're Tom, wrong. You're, you're, right. you're acting like people should have investigative journalism. Yeah, why would you want uh, to do that? Nobody does that anymore. But no, I, I, all of those things. I'm sure that, Devin, there, there are probably people going, what are you hanging out with him for? I suppose, I'm sure they do that. Because oh. I know they do it to JB. Oh, he doesn't yeah. let anybody know he talks to you. <laughs> oh, like, 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 it's half the people I meet are either, are either, oh, yeah, that's cool. Like, did you hang out with Tom? Otherwise, it's the, oh, you're a terrible, per- you must be a terrible person or what's wrong with you type of thing for, they give you a weird look. They're not as intrigued. So. <laughs> I've, so I've ruined your life. But other than that, it was like it was like being a college athlete when you tell people like, "Oh, I'm on the football team." You either get the yeah, oh you, yeah, that's so cool, or the oh, you must be just as some scum human being. Uh, <laughs> what do you think? Well, about, you are kind of a scum. What do you human think being? about college athletes being able to sell their names? Oh yeah, what fact, about that? that what do you the think? The fact that college athletes aren't able to make money, like, and I love like hearing. There's a video that was put out by the NCAA that said like the average day in a college athlete's life and it was the furthest thing from reality like I remember it was be like you wake up at 5.30 in the morning and literally from 5.30 till 10 o'clock at night like every minute of your day was planned for you and there was no I would, like, like there was no it was a full time job it was ridiculous and then yeah you can't get but, paid but but people were doing your papers for you and but, well right. I mean that's beside the point oh. yeah. <laughs> that's, no. that's no, not what were, we're talking about <laughs> no, no there was I mean there definitely are people that get, that get their papers done for yes. them but that's uh, not everybody yeah. I didn't get that doesn't have that luxury. I have to ask you a question, and then I'll move on because I was sent a, a message by Doc that I have to read to you. The people who thought you were a terrible person for hanging out with me, were they mostly white people? Uh, yeah, I remember there was one guy in particular. So the fresh, my freshman year, if we redshirted, we weren't on the sidelines, and so we would get to – we obviously would be in the locker room, so we'd come out of the locker room early before general admission got into the stadium – and we'd go sit in the front row of the student section, and this guy mm-hmm. like tried to call like the security police guy that was on the field and like get us escorted out because he thought it was unfair that he had to wait in line for two hours, <laughs> and he wanted to sit in the front row. Meanwhile, he's like one row behind us, and yeah, we had to explain to him like, "You're here to see us." Like, so yeah, we get to sit Dumb here. Bad. Like, you're here. You're welcome for letting me. Like, yeah. That's so the people. No, it says. People just, like, yeah. So. Th- Mostly white people, though. Oh, yeah. Oh, it was always white people. Yeah, there. See, that doesn't surprise me at all. 
Um, not that they're racist or, or any of that stuff. It's just they think they know everything, and they know nothing about inner city life. Nothing. Yeah. Um, I just got this from Doc. Racist, homophobe, not you. You'll take the blacks and the gay folks, but you don't want the Polacks. Oh, that's really <laughs> nice. Thanks so much, Doc. I really appreciate all your support. Doc's phone number is... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, call Doc. You can call Doc directly at... No, I, I, I like this. I like the, you know, uh, I like the conversations about this. And I, and I really, seriously, I agree with David uh, that everybody is the same. It's not like, oh, this person stands up because of their skin color or their gender or their orientation or their... The... Calm down. Oh, she's deaf? We got to treat her differently. No, you don't. Leave her alone, for Christ's sake. She'll make it through life without your help, believe me. Isn't that nice? I, I'm glad he's making a movie like that. That makes a lot of sense to me, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I, uh, what can I tell you? Well, I spoke it. Oh, God, here we go. Doc, just send me another message. I am half Polak and half a hole. <laughs> okay, well, thank you. Well, we'll take a, we'll take a doc break right now. <laughs> yeah, the self esteem is <laughs> not really skyrocketing. Another special guest, great guest coming up right after this with the family. Tom Bernard here. Hey, let me ask you, do you know me because you recognize my voice or my face? Good question, isn't it? Let me ask you another one. What do you think when I say priority courier experts? Do you know them because you recognize their trucks or do you know them by their name? Well, let me tell you something you might not know about my friends at Priority. 485 local drivers, 85 office staff, 37 million deliveries since 1997, and an opportunity for you to join their company. Drivers, you can join the fleet in your own vehicle or lease to own one of theirs. Or you can join the office staff and earn the most respectable pay in the business with 15 days off in your first year. Medical, dental, matching 401k, and a genuine chance for advancement. Just ask Jennifer, who started as a customer service rep and is now vice president. Over 5,000 Minnesota companies rely on priority because every time you call us, we deliver. Join the team today at Priority.com. That's Priority.com. Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. Right now, Sabre and Bryant are teaming up to offer 0% financing for 36 months when you buy a new Bryant furnace. This is the perfect time to replace your old furnace with a new trouble-free, energy-efficient furnace from Sabre. And when you buy Bryant equipment, you're getting one of the most trusted names in the industry, This 0% offer is available for a limited time. Call Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning to find out more, and please tell them that Tom sent you. Sabre and Bryant, whatever it takes. Oh, there it is. Ooh, I love this song. This is a great song. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. Tell me when Bill's ready to go. He is ready. Oh, Bill's ready? Good. This is going to be exciting. I'm telling you, I'm very excited about this because... When Andy and Alex were young, we used to play Monopoly all the time. I have, you know, I don't play it as much anymore now that the kids are grown. But Bill Schulte is here, ladies and gentlemen. Minnesota Opoly. Uh, we've been uh, making quality custom Opoly games in Cincinnati, Ohio since 1984. All of our games are designed and manufactured in-house and are based on fun themes like animal cities, colleges, bacon, zombies, and more. One of our most recent games is Minnesota Opoly, based on Minnesota, of course. We are recently, I can tell you what, I am excited about this. It's a game filled with your favorite Minnesota locations like Como Park Zoo, Itasca State Park, the Minneapolis Institute of Arts. How do you make a game about the great state of Minnesota? Bill Schulte here to tell us how you get that done. How do you get that done, Bill? Well, hi, and thanks for having me on. It's uh, Absolutely. The, the, the first thing we have to do is we have to get somebody from Minnesota <laughs> to help us put this together because sure. we're from Cincinnati and our, our knowledge is limited for lots of things and particularly things about Minnesota. So um, our, our premise is to get people in the area to help us put all the things that would be relevant to people in Minnesota and then put it into the board game. It's more fun to play a game about a place you know than necessarily the the typical Monopoly uh, experience we've had over the last 85 years. So what we have primarily done is we started to do cities, and we did a lot of very small cities, and, um, and we did this in conjunction with Walmart. 
where Walmart was kind of spearheading this whole thing. And that's how mm-hmm. this game kind of came about, is that it's Walmart has been the biggest supporter of trying to get this out there to their customers in their Walmart stores. Yeah, that makes complete sense. Now, I do have to ask you this question, because when I was a kid, and this might just have been the perception of where I grew up, that as you start from go, when you go from go, I guess is a better way to put it, uh, the first places you get to were considered to be kind of low rent, and the further you went around the board, the more high rent it became until you got around to Park Place and you know places like that. Is that still kind of the feeling you get with your other Opoly games, or was that not true in the first place? Yeah. No, that's 100% true, and the and the, the the they're not supposed to be because they're lowest price spaces. It is hoped to be something that's either um, kitschy or or somewhat to poke fun of something. So, uh, particularly in the Minnesota game, the like the hot dish is the lowest price space. Well, I'm not. <laughs> too clear on what the hot dish is other than <laughs> I know pretty much you, can, you can't get more than you can't get more than five people from Minnesota together without a hot dish being present is what somebody had once told me. It's a casserole. And yeah, basically. I put it together after I saw it, but at first I thought, wow, I hope this doesn't offend the international hot dish hot dish society no. or something like you that pi- but, you uh, pick the right <laughs> hot dish you have tater tot hot dish right. yeah pictured oh, God, on the board yeah. mm-hmm. you can't get more low rent than no, that a staple of every <laughs> hot look i've ever had <laughs> tater tot hot dish graduation parties all throughout minnesota <laughs> true and, and I, I think that the other lower price space is, is um icebox of the nation which i think is said and the only reason that, that I even knew when I was a kid growing up, anything I knew about Minnesota um, was that at the end of every weather forecast, and they said, and the coldest place in the country today is International Falls, Minnesota. Yep. And that was that every <laughs> right. day, even on 4th of July and whatever. And, and so when <laughs> That's I, true. So we, we would, I would look at, I looked that up, and then I saw that it's lovingly called the icebox of the nation. And so we right. put that on there because it's kind of a fun thing. Well, Beyond the greatest that, thing about that, Bill, to... I was just going to very quickly say that uh, a great proof of that to me was as a little child. I, mean, I was born in Minnesota, raised in Minnesota, um, but I I would watch Rocky and Bullwinkle and International Falls on that show was called Frostbite Falls, Minnesota. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I will never forget that. So, you know, it worked. It all works across the board, doesn't it? Uh, it's such right. a fun well, game and, to and... play anyway. Yeah, and being from Cincinnati and trying to put this together, the the people would ask me, well, well, who do you know from Minnesota? And I said, the only two people I know from Minnesota were Bud Grant and Lou Grant, so I, I don't necessarily <laughs> know anybody <laughs> from Minnesota. So it, it kind of escaped me, and then so when we had to get the local people involved then, then it, it then the personality came pouring through and we don't do many games about states we do a lot of cities not many about states because not everybody feels so wonderful about their entire state you if if you take minnesota it is it is more or less minnesota is a great game of ours um colorado is a great game of ours north dakota is a great game um but you couldn't really do uh, much justice to say a New York game or an Illinois game or in California no, would no. be. It's just there's five different places in California, so you you really have to have an affinity for that area, and that's and plus this giant personality of this game is is is, is really coming through, um, and people love it already. It's only been out four days and it's already selling out and getting reorders, so it's uh. Uh, it's it's kind of surprising. Uh, we didn't expect it to be as popular as it has been in the first week. Well, I think it's wonderful. By the way, Bill Schulte, you could be from Minnesota with a name like Bill Schulte. I will tell you that. Yeah, it's. <laughs> but I am. Uh, I, I'm a little. I'm, I might be a little bit too brown-haired and German down here in the in the Rhineland of uh, Cincinnati <laughs> to, uh, to in qualify. The Rhineland. <laughs> Well, yeah, it's like German and Dutch, and Cincinnati's a lot of Dutch people, aren't there? Yeah, but but German and Irish is 
that's a, you know, oh, okay. they call us Porkopolis, you know, it's a, the sausage-ish <laughs> uh, place of the world. <laughs> okay, well, that works for me. I, I just think it's a great idea because I don't know one person, and maybe these days it's different, but Monopoly, when I was a kid, was just huge. People just loved it. I didn't... I, you know what's so weird about that, Bill, is I took it personally when they took away the wheelbarrow from Monopoly because, like, I always wanted to be the wheelbarrow. Show what a hard-working kid I was. But now you can't even have that and, anymore. And, and, <laughs> now, the, uh, I think a cell phone has replaced the wheelbarrow. Uh, oh, both, my God. Both uh. psychologically and, uh, and actually in a Monopoly game, I think that's kind of the way it's gone. Well, the, the Hasbro games, the, they make... They make the Monopoly game, and um, and and, the, and they're they're just I guess just trying to reach their audience and and, and mm-hmm. stay relevant because uh, the game's been around a long time. So. It has been around a long time, and, and we've it, been doing it's... it. I was just gonna say we've been doing it for thirty-five years, making these specialty games, and we've made a lot of like universities and that sort of thing. That was always our, our big claim to fame was we started making games about uh, U.S. colleges. Yeah, well, that makes sense. What is the very first? Is it Baltic Baltic Avenue? Is that the first? Is that the first stop on Monopoly? Baltic, yeah, I think Baltic is first, and Mediterranean is uh, is the second space. Mm-hmm. And then right. so, Boardwalk and Park Place, and and you got me for every other space in between those two. <laughs> Except for go to jail. Do you have a go to jail in the yeah, Minneapolis, Minnesota jail, right. game? Do you have we, go to jail? We, we don't. It's we, called... we are our jail is called Snowed In. That's great. So instead of being in jail, we we try to keep jail out of it. We think that's probably not as much fun for a board game as as something like that. But but snowed in kind of works. Yeah, I got to tell you something, Bill. I grew up in the in the inner city in Minneapolis, and there was a kid in our neighbor. And later on, it became very very famous because other people. I don't know if he was the first one to do it, but he, he was the first one that I knew to do it uh, who did it he made he took the squares and the entire monopoly thing it was an inner city it was an urban it was like urban monopoly and every square was go to jail (laughs) 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 and that became very popular i guess it's been all over the place now yeah, I, that's that's a little raw for a, a board game that the fans yeah. can play. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. No matter what you do, you're going to jail, and that's just how it is. I think this is a great idea. What what was the very first? Uh, the, you have Monopoly, and what was the very first city or state or whatever that you did after that? The first game we ever did was called Miamiopoly, and Miamiopoly oh, was okay. about Miami University in Cincinnati because. My partner mm-hmm. and I, I'm from Cincinnati. She went to school at Miami, and I was in the printing business, and she connected with me via that. Um, I was a typical German Schulte three-generation printer, um, which started in 1907, and I guess that somewhat we connected, and, uh, and that's we started to make these for universities cities and colleges and or, or, uh, animals and any kind like we have dog breed games where we have 17 different dog breed games so oh. our, our pugopoly game our pugopoly game <laughs> outsells pugopoly. our doxonopoly game four to one there's data going on right now we're analyzing why the pugs outsell the dachshunds and the boxers but uh, it's silly that way but I think it's a great idea. So, so it was a combination of you and your partner uh, coming together. I, I think it's a great idea. And as, as you said, when the Minnesotaopoly went on sale, you said it's just it's sold out already and and kind of backing up on you. I think it's a great idea because people look. I don't I don't know anybody that doesn't like Monopoly. They you know it, from the time I was a very little kid. Well, a little quick side note on playing Monopoly. When I was four years old, I was playing. Monopoly with my grandmother, who was born in Germany and then came to America, you know, many, many, many years ago, obviously. But I was playing Monopoly with her, and she rolled the dice, and one of the one of them fell on the floor, and she said, "Tommy, would you pick up that dice?" And I said, "It's a die, Grandma." And she said, "Why don't you?" <laughs> 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 so, 
So there, that's my earliest memory of Monopoly right there, Bill. <laughs> nice grandmother to a four-year-old kid. What a nice quip. Yeah, nice quip for the baby book. That's really nice. Yeah, that's Why don't you? God. Why don't you? Okay, Grandma. Well, thank you. I pre- nice German woman, Bill. you got to be proud of your heritage with my German grandmother. Yeah, we're, we're, we're pretty frank. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> she was frank. That's very, very true. She was six feet tall and weighed 200 pounds and was not fat. She was a big woman. And her, and her <laughs> name was Minnie. Yeah. And her name was Minnie. Yeah, her name was Minnie. Wilhelmina. My grandma. Why? It's a die, Grandma. Oh, why don't you? Okay. Well, <laughs> so I have all these great, great memories flooding back now, Bill. Thanks for that. That's great. Yeah, that's. I think it's. We a great hope to bring them back. That's right. <laughs> Uh, I cannot wait. So, so you can get. Uh, well, can you get Minnesotaopoly now, or is it? It's backed up. It might take a while it to is, get it. No, it it's, it should be nearly in every Walmart store in Minnesota right now. They are the exclusive for the launch of the game um, as we get it started because it's they were really instrumental in getting this out there to the public. So yeah, they, they get first shot at everybody, and um, but. Everything we printed, I believe, will be gone probably. I think there was probably about 100 games in every store in the, in the state, and I, I would be, wouldn't be surprised if they're all gone by the end of the week. And we are reprinting right now. We do all the manufacturing and printing in, in, right here in Cincinnati. It's all, everything's done right here. Nothing's imported well, no. except dice. I got, <laughs> except the die. They put in. <laughs> except exactly. the die. Yeah. <laughs> Bill, I just got a couple of questions from right across the border. What about Kentucky? Are you going to do a Kentuckyopoly, or have you already done it? We have not. We've done a. We do a University of Kentucky game, but we, we oh, okay. do not do um, the state of Kentucky, and uh, and we're currently not doing an Ohio game, and. We're not doing an Indiana game. All oh, those are the, the three neighboring states that we uh, that we get right. most questions about all the time. And again, I think it just speaks to the. It, it's just not the same feeling about Ohio, Kentucky, and Indiana. It just doesn't seem as significant. Um, the state doesn't seem as significant as as the locales do. Now, we do a Cincinnati game, a Columbus, Dayton, um, just in Ohio, uh, Cleveland. Toledo, Youngstown, but but we don't do one collective state game for Ohio. So we'll probably end up doing a lot of small cities or some cities in Minnesota. Well, what you should do is put out. I'm going to get a hold of the Walton family and tell them they have to put out at Walmart Minnesotaopoly, a game to die for. And only we will know what that means. (laughs) And that'll be our little inside joke, right? That'll be our inside joke, Bill. Bill, terrific interview. I I had a ball. I love the idea of Minnesotaopoly, Monopoly. It's a wonderful game. Thanks for your time, and thanks for having a great sense of humor. I I really appreciate it. Thanks a lot, Tom. Oh, absolutely. Thank you. Bill Schulte, ladies and gentlemen, Minnesotaopoly at Walmart. Uh, Thanks for listening today. We'll talk to you tomorrow on The Family.